Hey, um, don't forget Christmas Eve, next Sunday, regular 9, 30, and 11, and then a special 3 o'clock service. So like, if you come to 9, 30, and 11, you wonder, will it be different? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, it'll feel more like that Christmas eve kind of thing, but it'll be fun. This is one of those days you bring friends, family, and all that kind of stuff. It'll be great. Today, we're talking about the second coming of Jesus. I had a dude stop me between services, and he was so serious. He, he came back to the meet and greet, and he took my hand. Dudes don't usually do this, but the guy kind of took my hand like this, and I thought, okay, that's creepy. But he took my hand like this, and he said, you know, when you talk about deep stuff like that, you're going to run people off. And I thought, I've been doing that for six years, dude. I mean, it's not going to be this sermon, I promise you. But it, he said, but seriously, it, that was deep. I, I have never been accused of being a deep preacher. I mean, you know, it's like, dude, I'm wearing that like a badge of honor, man, you know. But I, over the past three weeks, as I've studied for these, for these Advent sermons, one of the things that has hit me is just the continuation of this theme that, you know, the first thought is you go back to Isaiah chapter nine and Jesus came and he fulfilled that promise. He fulfilled the promise to, to be a wonderful counselor, to be a mighty God, to be an everlasting father, to be the prince of peace. And you get to the next one, and Jesus came that he might redeem his people, that he might have a plan that we might have life in abundance and life for eternity. And then today, Jesus is coming again. Every doctrine of the scriptures point to the second coming of Jesus. Now, if, if you're in most churches, you don't see, you don't hear this taught a lot because it, it is a little bit of a deep subject. When you think about humanity and how we see heaven or humanity as we see the birth of the baby, and then when you try to compare and say, well, what will he look like when Jesus comes again, or do I really have those answers? And the answer lies in a thought that Stephen Covey made famous in, in, his, in his books, which is when we see the end from the beginning, we can understand the plan of God. So let's just have a continuum right up here where I'm standing, and let's say right here is where God said, I've created man. And so God creates Adam, and he looks at Adam and says, wow, he, it's not good for that dude to be alone. So he took another step on the continuum, and he gave us Eve. And Adam was so happy, right? But then we took another step on the continuum, and Adam and Eve, we had the fall where they started and entered into a sin relationship, and they broke God's rules. And from that point on, all of us have been born into this nature of sin. So we take another step and we get to where the season is today, that God looks upon this creation and prophets and priests haven't done it yet. So he takes part of himself in the form of Jesus and he wraps humanity in him and sends him into the creation of now what will be our savior with the birth of Jesus. And we know that because not only does the Bible record it, but history records it. That Mary had this baby boy, Jesus, that he was born of the virgin Mary, and that he was indeed the son of the living God. Now we take another step forward, and Jesus at 12 begins to teach the people and begins to teach all of the folks that are a big deal in the temple. 
and he confounds them with his wisdom at 12. Take another step forward. And Jesus in his earthly ministry as an adult has all kind of miracles, like turning water into wine, like, like taking uh, fish and, and loaves and feeding 5,000 plus, like bringing sight to, to, to a man who cannot sing or, or, or see, bring, bringing the ability for a man to walk that could not walk. We take another step forward. And Jesus then says, I love these people. I am a part of the Trinity of God, the second part, God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so I've come and I've done all these things and I've lived a sinless, perfect life. But in this stop right here, I'm going to allow the world to put me on a cross, drive nails through my hands and feet, and I'm going to shed my blood. And when I do that, that is the forever cleanse of all sin. No, there's no more sacrifice. Jesus has done it all, the perfect Lamb of God. And so Jesus dies. We take another small step forward and he is buried. And we take another small step forward, and Jesus on the third day ari- arises from the dead, pushes away the stone, and now is on earth for another 40 days or so, and he leaves and says, I'm preparing a place for all those who believe me. Step forward again, and Jesus comes again. But you see, in that continuum, way over here, Jesus came as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes. You're wondering what that is. It's, it's not like the ones that has his name embroidered on it and it's got one of those baby blue pillows, you know, that's got Sugar Hill Church on it. It's swaddling clothes. There's rags. The rags that are just rolled up around the king. Jesus steps out of the throne room of heaven, drops his royal robe, and steps into humanity and takes on swaddling clothes. This is the picture that he leaves the grandeur and the beauty of heaven and he enters into the filth and the nastiness of a barn. And so you say, but how do I know that this is happening? The entire Christmas story points to Jesus coming again. Listen to what the book of the Revelation says in chapter 1, verse 7. Look, and that's exactly what it sounds like. Look. He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. So John is writing in this book of the Revelation. By the way, just for all of us, it's not the Revelations. There's only one of them. It's going to happen one time. It is the Revelation. And John says, watch out. When he comes, the clouds are aparting, and when he comes, everybody's going to see this, and they're going to know what's going on. The second coming of Jesus is the true theme of every story and every doctrine in Scripture, pointing to Jesus returning inside Scripture from the, from the time of creation all the way through today, everything points to the second coming of Jesus. And you say, well, Chuck… It, does that mean Christmas was the completion of many of these Old Testament prophecies? Yes, because the birth of the Savior, the birth of the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, had come. And all of the prophecies, not only were they fulfilled in Jesus' coming, they are still being fulfilled in the work that he's doing in and around our lives. Jesus has not gone to heaven and forgotten us. When he left, he said, I'm going to give you the gift of the third part of the Trinity, which is the Spirit of God, and he is going to direct and move you. It's not a it, it's a he, and he's at work inside of our life, and he is directing our life. You ever been somewhere where you think, I probably shouldn't have done that? You say, yeah, that's just guilty feelings. That's the Spirit of God. 
You ever been somewhere you feel like I need to give that a word of encouragement somewhere? And you think, well, it's not because I'm naturally nice. It's the Spirit of God. And you say, well, Chuck, wait a minute. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all kind of hung out out there, looked at creation and said, man, those people need a Savior. So God the Father sends the Son and says, okay, you go do this. And so he's born into this world. And I guess maybe this is the question of that. Christmas points to Jesus, but not just a baby in a manger. He, but to a king that arrived the first time in a barn, but he's coming again, and he's going to fulfill the rest of the story. You see, he came to fulfill a promise. He came to redeem his people. But my friend, listen, Jesus is coming again. Th- this should be radically comforting to us. That it, I, th- I think people are afraid to teach or read or think about this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to be digging this with all you've got because everything in that continuum says to me as a follower of Jesus, even so, come Lord Jesus, let's go. I'd go right now. I'm ready to roll. All my kids are saved. I mean, listen, me and we could go right now. Let's go. Listen, if Jesus showed up right now and he stood beside me, I was like, I am so glad you're here. Let's roll. But you know what I would see before that? I would see with all the rest of the world that he split that sky open on a white horse and we came, when he came, man, there was no question why he came this time. Because everybody's going to see, everybody's going to hear, and everybody's going to know that when he came and when he comes, it's going to be overwhelming. I want in on the party, man. I don't want to be left out, and I'm not. You know why? Because in this part where he came, I know he came for you and for me. I know he gave his life for you and for me. I know he's coming again for you and me. Why? Because he promised that if I called on the name, his name, as Lord, he would hear me and he would answer me. Are you, are, are you in trouble right now? You got something going on? Your marriage isn't good. Your, your job isn't good. Your money isn't good. I mean, your preacher's boring. I mean, what is it, you know? Whatever you got going on. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're heartbroken. Maybe you're like me. Maybe, maybe you're just suffering from headline hysteria. I mean, if I watch one more headline about how I need a special counsel for the special counsel that needs a special counsel, it's like, how about we just do the right thing? Just once, just do the right thing. I mean, seriously, look, it's come on, people. How hard can it be? Let your yes mean yes. Let your no mean no. And if it's maybe, hush. But you know, when I hear that, I think Jesus came to eliminate all that junk. When he comes again, those folks aren't going to be in charge. I mean, listen, when Jesus comes and he splits that sky wide open and he rides in on that white horse, it ain't going to matter who's president. It's not going to matter about a Congress. Nobody's going to care. You know why? He's taking over. And he's getting rid of everything that is opposed to him. You say, well, Chuck, I thought he was a loving God. He is. That's why we've had all this time to fall in love with him. You see, the exclusivity of Christianity, the exclusivity of Jesus is he is the only way to heaven. But he's so inclusive that he lets everybody make that choice. That's the story of Christmas. The second coming of Jesus is so radical. Listen, here's what James wrote in chapter five, verse seven. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Now, I don't know about you, but I am a terribly impatient person. I will spend an extra 10 minutes to get somewhere to follow that ways thing just, just so I keep moving. I mean, I'm just so impatient. Like if there are more than three people in line, I'm done. I mean, it drives me crazy. 
Like when you try to load up a site and, the, and, the, and, and, and your Wi-Fi is whacked out, it just drives me nuts. I mean, Jenny has to, I mean, literally, I'm on the phone with a service technician, one of those to say, your call is very important to us, but really, we couldn't care less calls, you know? And she always tells me the same thing. She reached over and she'll, you got to be nice if you want them to help you. And what I'm thinking is, if I could reach through this phone. Anyway, I, but it's comforting to know Jesus is coming again. This isn't a frightful thing. I mean, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't be afraid. But if you're not, man, right now, you ought to be thinking, I need to get on the train. Because when it leaves the station, it's gone, man. It's over. I've had people ask me a lot, like, when, when you talk about end times, or some, sometimes folks coming out of an appointment, they'll, they'll say, well, are you a pre-millennial, you're all-millennial, or you're post, what are you? And I said, here's what I am. I know Jesus came. I know Jesus died. I know Jesus rose from the dead. I know he's coming again, and all the rest of it is details, because I'm going home with him. So I don't understand what is so deep about that, to be honest with you. When I hear that, I think, I am so grateful. Me, Jen, family, kids, let's roll. I want to go. I want to go where I can eat those strawberry-filled donuts that have the powder outside, and it doesn't get on my shirt, and it doesn't gain any pound. <laughs> Don't you? I want to go fishing, and every time I throw out a lure, it's like, wow. Seriously, don't you want to do that? I mean, don't you want to go where there's no need for Walgreens? Seriously, if, if you wear hearing aids, don't you want to go and you never have to have that thing in your ear again? Seriously? If you've got a broken bone, don't you seriously want to say, let's go. Listen, this is the beauty and grandeur of heaven. When Jesus comes again, it's for you. But it's for everybody. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says this in verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then together with him, we who are all still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then, will we be, then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Well, listen, you say, well, what does that mean to me? One of the great reasons to come and fellowship in a Bible-believing church is to get encouraged and to remember, he came for you, he died for you, he rose for you, and he's coming back for you. This is one of the great things. We ought to take great, what, what do we do in church? Encourage each other. If I could do one thing and only one thing with this church, you know what I would do? The one thing, it would be this, that we would learn to know that Jesus loves us so much, you can give him all you have and you don't have to be weird about it because he will take you just as you are, period. And you say, well, why not everything else? Because if you get that right, you'll get everything else right. And if you get everything else right, you're going to heaven with me and we're gonna eat ice cream on the back porch and it doesn't have to be Halo. If you don't know what that is, Google it. It's basically diet ice cream. Don't really understand the big deal. Tastes like chocolate cardboard to me, but you know. I'm pretty comforted by the fact that this season says I can swap all of the awfulness of humanity for all the divinity of Jesus. And he said, I'm all, you can have all of me you want. If you went back to Revelation chapter one, verse seven, he starts out, and, and literally, John says, look, he comes in the cloud. Jesus is on the way. We, we ought to be living as though Jesus died last night and he's in church with us today. We ought to live like he was in church with us today and he's in the cubicle next to us tomorrow. 
He's riding in the truck to the job site with you tomorrow. I believe that we're living closer to his coming than any generation before. If you just look at the prophecies fulfilled and the silliness of life right now, I keep thinking to myself, any day now, he's coming. And and the scriptures teach me that when he comes, everybody's going to know he came. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, it will happen in a moment. This isn't going to be a season where we have a little anticipation and we wait around and we kind of get our junk together and clear the house up and put up the wreaths and make sure the tree is set for him and, and we're, we've got to make the right thing. It says Jesus is coming and when he does, there's nobody going to know it and when he does, everybody's going to know it. We're never going to know when he's going to come until he comes and when he comes, we're all going to know it because the scripture says in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown... For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. And folks say, well, well what am I going to look like when, when that happens? The scriptures say we're going we're to know as we were known. And that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So you say, what are we going to be? Watch this. This is my thought. You, you can have your own. I'm going to wear a size 32 waist breeches. Bam. I'm going to be able to wear those hipster t-shirts and they don't cling and look like I'm eight months pregnant. I'm going to eat what I want, when I want, how I want, and y'all are welcome to come by the mansion. But I'm telling you, I'm going. Don't you want to go? Whatever your version of that is, don't you want that? I want to sit on the back porch of my dad. I want me and Jenny to just sit there and enjoy the beauty of heaven. I want to watch my kids, and I want to know that all, all eternity, all the drama that happened on this earth has come to an end because Jesus came and he settled it all. You see, the drama of the ages is about to be completed. The curtain's about to rise, and Jesus is about to step one more time onto the stage of humanity. And as Jesus does that, it's not going to be a stable. This time he's going to ride in on that white horse, split the sky, and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. And you say, well, Chuck, but how do I fix this? Get back to the continuum. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Clean me up. Forgive me. Okay, good. Then you're talking about drama. You're talking about how are you mixing the metaphors? Well, let's make sure we complete that, right? Act one is his incarnation as he comes as a baby born of a virgin Mary in Bethlehem where he took the robe off in heaven and he put on the swaddling clothes. He left the robe, he grabbed the clothes, and his incarnation happens as a baby. Now, the second act is Jesus' death and burial and resurrection where he dies in agony to pay for our sin, your sin, my sin, and paid all the debt for all sin when we trust him and ask him to do that. You say, okay, that's one, that's two. Then the final act is act three. We take a look at the final act and his coronation comes when he comes to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. So we're about to enter when Jesus comes, the third act. We're living in the middle of the second act right now. The third act is about to come because Revelation says again in 1-7, every eye will see him. You say, well, Chuck, what does that mean? Well, if you go over there to that cemetery that we just voted on a few minutes ago, one of the first headstones you'll see says, Alan, that's my mom and that's my dad. There are folks all over in there. There are folks who who have died in battle in deserts. There are folks who have been drowned at sea. 
And what the scripture says is, it doesn't matter, but every single life that has ever been is going to step out of and be raised out of wherever they are. And what they're going to see is this, Jesus coming as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords, and he's coming for his church. And the fact is, folks, when we get that concept, we get that Christmas is the story of him really coming again. Because you couldn't come again until you first came. And so you look at this and say, okay, man, this is, this is exciting, Chuck. If you died at sea, you come from the depths of the ocean. If you died in the winding sands, uh, or winding sands of, of the desert, you're going you're to rise from those sands. If you're in, in, if you're in a graveyard, you're going to rise from them. There's going to be a rapture for all those still living. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. I'm not missing this. Listen, friend, Jesus is coming not only to receive his own, not only to gather his people, not only to grab his church, he's coming to ensure that he reveals his glory. Ricky Bobby had it wrong. He didn't stay in that manger. He didn't stay baby Jesus. He grew to become the savior of the world. And he's sitting by the father at the right hand And he's waiting for each of us to say, count me in. I'm going to trust you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to prepare myself so when you come, I'm not a last-minute shopper looking for salvation. I've already got it secured, and let's go. You see, for for someone who trusts Jesus and understands this is going to happen, there's nothing frightening about this. This is glorious. This is, this is everything we've banked our faith on, that he's coming because he loves us. Every time I hear someone use the name of Christ in vain, the first thing I think of, I wonder what they're going to say when he splits that sky. Oh, Jesus. And it'll have a whole new concept. Oh, my God has a whole nother meaning. Because I, At that time, every eye is going to see him for what he truly is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians, he says, he will use, speaking of Satan now, that Satan will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. The scripture Paul is saying, writing that there's some of us that we're just not going to accept that. I mean, maybe you're not going to accept, accept that because some church burnt you or you got mad at a preacher or somebody did something wrong, or, or maybe you're just an intellectual and you're just too smart to accept this. You say, well, what's going to happen to that person? Well, at that end, that end can either happen in heaven or that end can happen in hell. And I don't want to bust your bubble, but there's nowhere in between. It's just a pick. Chuck, that is harsh. No, look at the amount of time that God is giving us. He is patient waiting on us to come to him. He's already found us. He's already loved us. He's already given this gift to us. He's waiting on us to say, I love you. He's waiting on us to say, I love, knowing that he already loved us. And I think about that and I say, and all who will be forced to bow the knee to Jesus Christ and Satan is going to have to admit the absolute defeat and the triumph of the spotless lamb of God, Jesus the Christ. It's coming and when it happens, we're talking about party city for real. 
I think to myself, behold, he comes, and every eye shall see him. Even so, say amen. As for me and my house, come, Lord Jesus, let's go. My friend, the Christmas story rings in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls, and it's the story of fulfilled promises. It's the story of God's plan of redemption of mankind, and it's the story most lovingly and yet most mightily of the second coming when Jesus splits that sky. That last horn's going to blow, and it doesn't matter where you are, dead, alive, freaked out, or totally calm, you're going to see all of humanity know he's coming. And when he comes, I guess the question is this, are you ready for Jesus? Well, Chuck, I'm not even ready for Christmas. I know, but are you ready for Jesus? Because see, more importantly than the gifts you have to buy this week, more importantly than the trees you have to, have to, have to, have to do all the junk to, what do you call that? Decorate. It happens more and more now. But are you ready for Jesus? I mean, has there been a time in your life you said, yeah, when he comes, I don't have anything to be afraid of. I'm riding with him, man. I'm going to be right behind him. I'm going to step on the streets of gold. I'm going to think, this is cooler than I ever imagined. I'm going to see people that have gone ahead of me that trusted Jesus. I'm going to see folks I didn't even know. And you know what? I can't wait to talk to that Jonah dude and ask him about what it's like to live in that belly. I do want to talk to, seriously, don't you want to ask Moses, what was up? I mean, seriously, what was, the, what was the deal? I mean, why was it so hard? You knew God was on your side, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I mean, seriously, don't you want to sit down and talk to Paul and say, dude, what was it like to be blind for a few days? When Jesus is coming, I won't have the answers to all that and everything else. So when you look at life, and maybe you do have headline hysteria a little bit in your life, I want you to take great comfort in the coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. He came to be a prince of peace. And when he comes again, everything and everybody that is opposed to the way of the goodness of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, he's clean in house. We talk about draining the swamp. He talks about sweeping the earth. Don't you want to be with him? If so, just ask him. Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you come live inside of me? Thanks for dying for me. Thanks for raising from the dead for me. I don't even understand all that, but that's my prayer. And if that's your prayer today, mean it. And be as sure for heaven as if you were already there. And when he splits that sky, slap your leg and say, Chuck said it was coming. Let's pray. Lord God, you are a, you're a wondrous and an awesome God, and we praise you and thank you. Thank you for folks today who said, I choose Jesus. Thank you for coming, and we already thank you for coming again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to invite our team to come on and take our offering now. And You know, it's, it feels like a bit of a whiplash to go from preaching like that over to offering until you start thinking in the sense of, you know, when, when we sing, it's an act of worship. Uh, when we pray, it's an act of worship. When, when we teach the Word of God, it's an act of worship. And when we give, it's truly an act of worship. So I want to thank y'all. Many of you have already given online. You've given through the app. Uh, many of you are about to give, and thank you. you. You have been such a generous church this year. You've been a gracious church. Thank you from the bottom of my heart 
for trusting God and giving. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to have first-time folks and regular folks and folks that have been here for decades. And the truth of your word is true for all of us. So Lord, I pray we'd be a church where we give with a sacrificial heart and a joy to give. And bless these folks who have already given and folks that are yet to give. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.